0: Coming up on Art Palace.
1: Here, here, I just found a phrase that says, the strong warrior's braids were long. Oh, this is So it's jahaki, jahaki lajakoa haji neakish.
0: Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is Zan McQuaid, editor at Living Language. even know what I should well, how I should introduce you
1: my I have many roles and many I so basically my day job I work for a company called Living Language
2: yeah
1: and Living Language is an imprint of Penguin Random House and we basically make self-study materials for you to learn a language so if mm-hmm. you wanted to study Spanish or you wanted to learn French you would say, I want to start from the beginning and we would have the books and CDs and online courses. So I make those. I'm I'm the editor for Living Language. That's my day job. So I work with languages by day. By night, (laughs) (laughs) I'm Batgirl. Cue (laughs)
0: like saxophone music. (laughs) Zan After Hours. Zan After Hours. (laughs) Zan After Hours
1: is very exciting. Um, I work on, I, I primarily lately work on translating Latvian fiction into English.
0: Okay, so I, this is like so funny because I realized I know you, but I don't know a lot about like what your job is, yeah. and I get it in like these weird like pieces where I'm like, okay, so I know you do stuff with Latvian, and yeah. I like, I ran into you at the airport coming from Latvia, That's I right. think, one time. You, you, you so, met me
1: after my uh, sabbatical there. But
0: yeah. yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know it was mostly fiction. I am assumed yeah. I don't know why I just assumed it was like technical
1: translation yeah Yeah, or something like that i don't know that's a completely different beast and i probably could do that if i wanted to earn money i'm not doing it for the money there's no money in literary translation (laughs) sadly but no i I consider it like my pro bono work
2: okay
1: (laughs) i mean i do there is they are paying people but it's not a lot of money it's really hard to make a living as a literary translator but there's a lot of fiction that exists in latvia that i think needs to exist The rest of the world needs to see it. So that's what I'm doing. So
0: how did you become focused on Latvia?
1: Well, when I was... 18, 17, 18. When I was in high school, I wanted to become an exchange student. I was heavily involved in AFS. Okay. And I, I don't know to, what that is. It's the American Field Service. It started off as I think ambulance drivers who had got during World War Two or World War One. I'm going to get it wrong. Okay. Uh, one of the wars. <laughs> one and, of those
0: wars. And it was so, a big one. A start, great one.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> a big war. There was a big war, and then there were exchange students. Yeah. <laughs> basically. So yeah, the, I don't know, actually, I'm going to get it totally wrong. So I'll basically say it had something to do with ambulance drivers in a war. Okay. And realizing that cross-cultural exchange was an important part of understanding other cultures and having peace. Mm-hmm. So they basically started this program called AFS, American Field Service, where students, usually students in high school would go to other countries and live with families. And so when I was after I graduated high school, I went and lived in Latvia because basically the form they give you, its it says it has a list of all the countries where they have programs and you check off the ones you want to go to, uh, the definitely you want to go to, the ones you will go to and the ones you don't want to go to. Yeah. And I basically went down the Eastern European countries. It was like, yes, yes, yes. Because it was... It was why, the, why
0: Eastern it Europe, was, Europe? Well, it was
1: the mid 90s and like the Soviet Union had just fallen apart Uh and it was kind of hip to like everyone's going to Prague. I don't know if you remember that time, like Prague was like the hip place to go. Mm. And so I was like, yeah, Prague, but (laughs) not realizing that when I checked, yes, I want to go to Latvia. They're going to be like, oh, she wants to go to Latvia. Like nobody else probably. (laughs) Nobody wants to go to Latvia. So I checked Latvia. And uh, they sent me to Latvia, and I I lived with an amazing family. I befriended these punk kids on the street who in, like, the square who didn't speak any English. And so, basically, two weeks in, I told my family, don't speak any English with me. And I had all these friends who didn't speak English, and so I basically was forced to learn the language. Yeah. So, that's where I learned it. And then... After I had left, I decided in order to keep up the language, I'd start reading a lot more, and I kind of naturally started translating books because it was just interesting to me to see how the languages worked, and I was often just looking at looking at words in dictionaries all the time, and um, so yeah, I just started translating, and then an author found me online and was like, I had translated an excerpt from her work, and she had said, do you want to do the whole book, and I was like, yeah,
2: <laughs> I started doing her book, I
1: worked on her book, and. So I translated a short... It's a short novel, mm-hmm. but I've translated Her name's Inga Jolude.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it was just kind of totally happenstance that you wandered into Latvia Basically. almost. Like, yeah, just yeah. luck of the draw or luck yeah. of the box check that Exactly. You. That's so funny how that... I, I feel like so many people have stories like that, though, where just random things that you don't think of as, like, a big choice you're making in your life yeah. at a moment, like really changes things for you totally. and like sets a direction, especially when you're younger and you're just like, oh, whatever, like yeah. I've my whole life ahead of me.
1: Well, and I have this theory that at 18, wherever you are at 18 kind of determines the rest of your your life in a weird way. I mean, it's when yeah. you're leaving home, it's when, yeah. you know, and that can be, you know, for, for better or for worse, but I, I, I don't know. And it really helped to be thrown into an entirely different culture and like completely away from home. And I really had to figure out myself. And so by finding myself in this foreign country it became who i was in a lot of ways but yeah i i mean i've really really strong relationships with my friends there still and i was just i was just there in december i forgot how miserable it is in the winter but okay. <laughs> um it's it gets dark super early oh. and um but yeah it was wonderful i was there for a translator workshop with with there are other latvian to english translators and so i was there hanging out with them
0: so then after that did you take your i mean already your interest in language, and then did that direct how you approach college? Or? So in
1: college, I majored in sociology, okay. <laughs> which had nothing to do with anything. Um, I think I wanted to write my thesis on my friends.
0: Okay, so I, <laughs> that was your plan? <laughs> that it was, just was like, my plan. <laughs> I'm going to major in sociology, and then like yeah, I can write a thesis on my friends.
1: Because <laughs> there was no real... Um, Discipline that suited what I wanted to write. My friends were like these hip-hop artists and poets and photographers. Like I said, they were these punk rock kids. And then they they grew up to become these really interesting artists. And so I wanted to write about youth identity in post-Soviet Latvia. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wrote this really, really, really... Bad thesis (laughs) because, and I was also translating at the time. I was translating song lyrics for this thesis, and so, so I was still working with languages, but it was I was studying sociology, which is I wasn't very good at. Um, And then when I graduated, I had to get a job, (laughs) and and Latvian language doesn't really help you get a job. But having it on my resume when I applied, I wanted to be I wanted to work in publishing, and so I um, I decided to apply to an, an an editorial assistant job at Penguin Random House and the HR woman saw my resume, saw I had languages on there and said, Oh, we have this language imprint, and they need an editorial assistant. And that's where I got my start at living language.
0: So you've been there for a while. So
1: 16, Oh wait, longer than that. 17 years since 2000.
0: Yeah. Oh, 17 years. Yeah. This February. That's what I was thinking I guess. Like, yeah. That's, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I,
1: I've worked on a lot, a lot of, I've probably worked on 25 different languages.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, like, how fluent are you in multiple languages? Like, I mean, how... It seems like you probably know a lot about a lot of languages, but I guess, like, how practical does it translate to? Yeah,
1: fluency is something that I love it when people say, oh, I'm fluent in five languages. I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, and it's like... Also, that idea of fluency is also... I feel like if you studied another language or, I don't know, it just, you realize, like, there's always, like, a level to it, right? Right. There's like,
1: proficiency and there's fluency. But right. so most people who say they're fluent are probably proficient. Right. I would only say, I, I even hesitate sometimes to say I'm fluent in Latvian because I still enter some conversations where I struggle right. to find words, and there's there's some topics, I remember I was trying to explain. My husband's a beekeeper, and I was trying to explain beekeeping to mm-hmm. a friend in Latvia, and I realized I had no vocabulary right. to talk about the hives. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but,
0: but I mean, this is something like I encounter on a day-to-day basis because my husband is Brazilian, right. and you know, even though he has lived here for ten years, right, there are still these really like esoteric, weird words that just don't come up, like totally. beekeeping. beekeeping you know? yeah. Like, so it's funny because even though you know. I would say he is one hundred percent fluent in, right. in the fact that he can walk around every day and like like you said, walk into any situation and probably feel comfortable right. for the most part. Um, you know, there's still these things and it's like a lot of times it'll be like really specific ingredients or right. um like really str- like unusual animals. Right. Like yeah. I remember ferret was yeah. one that came <laughs> up. Like you know, we had to I had to like that's like, okay, get out, get out the translator. Like we got to translate <laughs> ferret, ferret into Portuguese. Portuguese like, what do you
1: remember what it was? No, okay. I
0: don't. I mean, I'm worthless in Portuguese pretty yeah. much. Like other than I'm like, and again, this is like the idea too of like, I feel like my understanding of languages and how you can have like all these different sort of levels that you're at is, is like basically right now I feel so ill prepared. If somebody asks me something in Portuguese, I feel like I cannot respond at all in Portuguese. I can understand what they're asking right. me, but yeah. I have no way. But
1: that's step one. I mean, yeah. and everyone always gets really scared because they think they have to be able to speak it perfectly the second you yeah. have a question. But you could probably, if someone asked you what you wanted to eat, you could probably find one word. Oh.
0: I'm totally cool ordering. Like yeah, so food. I can order my food. Like, so, that I'm fine in. I, I so you like already,
1: so that's obviously because you have a, that that was sort of either your interest or your first necessity. Yeah. And so you were thrown in in that deep end, and I bet you were. You I think were, I
0: learned food words pretty quickly, yeah. and I did, they just like, a lot of them, I also, maybe I just knew enough French, too, still that I retained from high school, that there was like enough things, but like food and animals I remember yeah. pretty well. Yeah. So I'm always joking that like t- I can go to the like a zoo or a restaurant. <laughs> like, well,
2: and sometimes. And
0: maybe have a conversation with a five year old because well, all I can say is like, there is a monkey, you know? <laughs>
1: and sometimes food and animals overlap. So that's, <laughs> that's true. Although in, in a lot of languages, the animal, like, you know, in English we say chicken, it means. Yes. The but, thing that's alive and the thing that's on your plate. Right. But in, in Latvia, for example, it's a totally different word. Yes. You would not say there's a chicken and on your plate.
0: That has definitely come up, too. Yeah. Because, like, in Portuguese, there's some ones like that as well where, yeah, like, we don't say, I'm eating pig.
1: Right. You, know? you say, well, pork. And there are words in English. So you'd say pork and, um, well, I guess for chicken, though, we, it really is only one chicken, word. But yeah. yeah. But we I feel like, I'm, and I might be
0: getting this wrong, but I feel like in... Um, In Portuguese, they would, they call the the pig, like, a pork, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's a pork. There's a pork. Yeah. (laughs) A
1: pork in the pen. That's interesting.
0: So I think, like, that there's every once in a while, like, some of those little, like, things come up where um, I feel like we have a lot of words, too, for, like, specific different words for, like, baby animals, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like... Really, spe- that's another one that's like just so specific that you don't use all the all the time,
1: unless you were talking to a child or right. you were reading right. a children's storybook. Yeah, right, yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah,
0: that is funny because like ba- kids things, you like learn all those things when you're younger, and then you never use right. them again because you don't talk about like baby kangaroos yeah. all the time.
1: There was I, when I was in Latvia this past time. There was this pen of rabbits, and it was like a Christmas village of rabbits, mm-hmm. and they had all these different words for like. It was basically like. Like, the the word for the bunny tail? Like, do we have a specific word for bunny tail in English? I don't think we do. No. just say the bunny tail. So they yeah. have a specific word in Latvian, and it was everywhere on this, and I had to ask someone what because... Is
0: that? Yeah. they have
1: It's only a word that... It's a word that only children would use, so there well, is no need to...
0: That's another thing, too. Um, I feel like we have a lot of um, collective nouns for things mm-hmm. that... Besides all the weird ones, but, right. like, even just when you're talking about... Especially animals, like you know, a herd of this. You you just like, and I feel like that gets really specific too for somebody learning English. Oh wait, what? Yeah.
1: And you only, so you only learn what you need at any particular at any given point in time, and and yeah, it's it's about exposure. And then the other thing I was going to say to you before is when you were talking about your function in Portuguese, because I I bet you're better than you realize. I bet if you were thrown really in the deep end and you had to fend for yourself, you'd You would find the inner strength to come well, up with some. Word, no, that's that's, that's in the
0: also that's also head. why I don't. I I feel I'm really inexperienced at speaking Portuguese because I'm never in a place where exactly. I have to.
1: Immersion like, is the best way yeah. to learn a language. And, and I'm <laughs>
0: so because I'm basically it's like yeah my skill is what I'm doing which is I'm surrounded by people speaking Portuguese. Right. And I'm hearing it yeah. but then it's like it's often easier for you know my husband to translate for me or something and you have
1: that crutch if if that were taken away you would you would find a way
0: yeah and 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 there's also there's some self-consciousness too of course like you're saying like i don't like i would i found that the person who i would speak to the most i would try out portuguese was like my seven-year-old niece yeah because I felt like she was going to judge me less. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and you're more co- so. You're and you're instantly probably more comfortable and confident when you speak with her.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Even though she was actually the only one who would correct me.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> or I maybe mean, so, some
0: other people probably would too. Sometimes I think like my mother-in-law would correct me yeah. if I said something like really confusing yeah. to her. Just like wait, what? Like yeah. I have no idea what you're saying. But um, yeah, she would like. She was. You know, kids are so fearless that she would just, you know, correct my pronunciation. Like, you know, just be like, eh, you know? (laughs) That's all you
1: need. And you need one person. You need a person you're not afraid to speak around who will correct you. And that's really... And then you're... And I, you know, I speak... I speak a different level of language around, with every single person I speak to because of my comfort level with them. You know, yeah. if I'm, if it's a really good friend or my, my host mother in Latvia, I speak really great with yeah. both of those people. But then if I have to speak in any, any sort of professional capacity, I'm useless. Yeah. <laughs> I turn into a puddle because I get so nervous. So,
0: But that is, I mean, that's interesting, the different, like... Social ways that the language actually changes, right? And how we, when it's your native language, you just know how to turn that switch and change gears. And like, yeah. well, now I'm speaking professional speak, right. and now I'm speaking casual, laid back yeah. speak. And it's like that has when it has to be a learned right. um, behavior. That's yeah. that's tricky. But I, I also think about that a lot when just thinking about um, the way we think of it, reflecting like ideas of class.
2: Yeah. Yes. is
0: really interesting because it is I almost think of it uh, class is like a script mm-hmm. you've been given to learn Yeah, and it's like you show if you show up to the to perform the wrong script at the wrong time right. basically it's like oh you're not you exactly. you don't belong here. Yeah,
1: I mean, people always think that we don't, I mean, when you're learning another language, you learn that there's a, a polite form and an impolite yeah, form, yeah. and people always think we don't have that in English, but we actually do. It's just a different way of code switching yes. based on circumstance, and yeah. and having the right language for the right situation becomes, right. like, this really specific skill, and mm-hmm. you're either bored, it's, it's a fluency, you know, like, are you yeah. fluent in class speak, are you fluent in upper class, or, Absolutely. or business English, you know, and... And yeah, people and, and there's there are a lot of criticisms criticisms right now with like grammar prescriptivists who will say you know, the whole thing with like your and your right. which is a spelling thing. That's that's <laughs> that is an autocorrect thing entirely. Or saying, you know, there's this new thing now in English where people say, um, between between you and i which is totally incorrect but right. people think it sounds more correct so they'll say that it's yeah. between you and me yeah um, so like there but there are these all these things that people are doing and it's obvious that they're trying to fit into a certain situation and they're either getting it wrong or or it's becoming the language because or, it's, yeah. or
0: that's really fascinating too when you know i have done the, and you maybe have done this too where you know like pronunciation is a really interesting mm-hmm. thing yeah. of especially of, of foreign words that are have been adopted by english yes. and you don't know like, well, I know how this word is really pronounced. Right. But do you, there's, like, a certain sort of, like, pretentiousness that you feel like saying it correctly might... And so you kind of have to... And I do think exactly. there's, like, a point where you go, well... well this is how we say it in English. Well,
2: yeah, like, are and you. And this
0: is okay. When like, you go
1: to a restaurant, the most awkward thing in the world for me is going into a restaurant. Do I say bruschetta or bruschetta? Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's yeah.
1: actually, in Italian, it's bruschetta, but no one says bruschetta in English. You say bruschetta. Right. Or do you say, I'm not going to go to a McDonald's and order a croissant witch? <laughs> <Right. laughs> it's, you know, yeah, you, yeah. There's, it beco- when, it, when it becomes an English word, it's different. And yeah, yeah. So if I but if I were speaking in French, I'd probably adopt that accent. Right. So yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. You're not gonna. Yeah. That's but what yeah, I mean. But, Those words that are adopted. That yeah. you're like. Oh. I know. How close. We have, niche niche. Yeah.
1: You know, it's we hard. have we have
0: somebody on staff who's like really strict about how one pronounces crepe. Oh, crepe. Instead of crepe. <laughs> And it like really bothers her to hear people say crepe, but I'm just like, yeah, that's how, that's how Americans say it. Yeah. Are they, are
1: they speaking in French about a crepe? No. Okay. Then Then, they can say crepe because it's an English word. That's that's
0: how we, we know it is an English word or it's like the same thing if you, it's like, you don't expect somebody to be like, oh, we went and did karaoke uh, right. this weekend, you know, we're going to say we went to karaoke, right? right? Like,
1: And also, I mean, English is such a mutt of a language anyway, that right. all our words, so like if we were being really prescriptivist and really loyal to the original pronunciations, we would be speaking, we we would sound like, basically like Chaucer, you know, so I mean, that's kind of what it that's kind of what it was like, so it, you know, and it's fine, like if people want to hang on to certain pronunciations, that makes total sense, but... It's language is fluid as long as you're being understood right it doesn't matter right. So, yeah
0: yeah so um, one thing I, I keep we, we're not talking about but it's uh, sitting on the table is oh, yeah. <laughs> you you've also uh, dabbled in fictional languages
1: yes so I edited I had the the fortune to edit a, a language course on dothraki, dothraki. which is uh, the language of uh, Game of Thrones George R. R. Martin created this language for his books and there are about twenty six words or phrases, something like that in language. Yeah I was gonna
0: say he does he's not like a Tolkien who like goes overboard. I I feel like he pretty much I've heard him say like he invents it almost like you were talking about necessity. Like he's he's very like practical. Like no, I get I do write what I have to write. And then that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he created you know and he was apparently he was very good at what he did create even even though it was a small amount and then when they when um hbo decided to do the television show they decided that they wanted to have the dothraki people speaking in dothraki which is wonderful yeah. like it's it, it's the coolest thing and it's um mm. they actually ended up hiring david peterson to flesh out the language and when you say it's a fictional language i i almost want to take um, issue with that because yeah. it's an actual language
0: yeah
1: I, it's he he made a full grammar there's a,
0: an actual language inspired by a fictional universe right. right and
1: so i mean as soon as like if if we were to start speaking like a secret russell and zan language only yeah that would be a language because we'd be using it so yeah. any language that exists in the world and is being used it didn't naturally develop so right. that's the only difference so it was like you said it was it was established in a Basically it's like a test tube language. Yeah. <laughs> so, your test tube babies, they're actual babies, you know. They're <laughs> they're they're uh, human human beings.
0: Is there things about that like when somebody you can tell when somebody is creating it in that test tube that is actually more functional or more practical than sort of the way a language develops over time Probably
1: I had never thought about that that's a really interesting thought just
0: because you can think of like how weird like how language kind of mutates yeah and is sort of just like like isn't always simple or practical or logical logical, right
1: well i think what's interesting is when um people who create languages the really good ones like david David peterson Mm -hmm. is a fantastic language creator he's a really smart guy and when the the good ones what they do is they take into consideration the entire cultural history of a fictional people Mm
2: -hmm. so
1: for example there's no um there's no native dothraki word for Book or museum. Museum right. would not have a native Dolthraku word. Currency
0: either, right? Right.
1: So they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have these words. They'd have borrowings from other languages. So mm. like a word, you know, like High Valyrian probably has a word <laughs> right. for a museum or book, and right. so they would borrow that one and probably change the ending or something, and it would become their word. Mm. And so same thing, like in in English, I mean, the word mathematics and and algebra. Algebra comes from Arabic yeah um and so it's something that didn't exist until the arab cultures brought it to us and so we have that word. so it's the same thing with fictional languages so it's the logic depends on the creator mm-hmm. and how much attention they put into that but you're right that like cert- functionality and and the, the thing is is if it's logical to create a word, he can create a word for whatever whatever he wants to, if it's yeah. necessary. I, I actually have, uh, my name has actually become a root in Dothraki. Really? <laughs> <because> what
2: is
1: <laughs> it? Well, um, so root, so there are different root words. This is going to get really boring. but um, And the root Zan um, means, or Zan, it's actually pronounced in Dothraki. Zan? Zan um, means stable or steadfast, which I was really
0: flattered Aww. by. <laughs> it was really, I,
1: I, I, yeah, it I made me happy to have that. I'm now part of the Dothraki language. <laughs> but yeah, you I, I actually brought the book and I, I have a post-it note on the colors because I thought we're in a museum. <gasps>
0: oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: we're talking art. So I this thought... Is, yeah,
0: this is perfect. We're we, going to
1: do the, the colors in Dothraki. Do you want to uh, abs- hear them?
0: Absolutely. And you have to
1: repeat. So the best thing about learning a language or the most important thing about learning a language is re- repetition mm-hmm. and saying things out loud. Okay. And I hope this doesn't mess up your Portuguese studies.
0: Uh, I'm
1: sure I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when a word ends in a con- the stress falls on the final syllable, Okay. and when it's on the vowel, it falls on the first syllable or the penultimate syllable if it's three syllables.
0: Is there a real-world language that Dothraki sounds the most like?
1: So a lot of people say either um, Arabic or Russian. So when when, uh, David Peterson was developing sort of the pronunciation guide for this, because you know when you read it in a book, it can, you, see, you read these words and they can be pronounced any way you want them to, yeah. but he was visualizing and he was saying, you know, it has to sound harsh because these are sort of, you know, people who have lived in a harsh climate and they're people of war. Mm-hmm. And so you want this really harsh sounding language. I don't know if that was his thought or someone else's, but um, so he looked for sounds like there's a, a letter that I can't pronounce. It's, a, it's in Arabic, but it's a, a guttural sound. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I'm thinking, like, the words that already existed in the books probably also kind of linked themselves to those sounds as well that kind of sound like Russian maybe in some ways. There were
1: words like hush and, you know, khal and, you know, dotraki and the words are really, yeah, they have a lot of guttural throat sounds. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not a very pretty language, and I'm going to sound awful speaking this. So um, so, so red is virzeth. Virzeth. Yeah, you're good. You have to pronounce it like very.
0: Yeah, Seth. That's why I'm I'm going to like become a Gothraki yeah. as I say it and like take on the character. Bigger
1: almost. and like, yeah, more like, intimidating.
0: Yes, but with also with like a lot of smoky eye makeup. Yes, too.
1: <laughs> and a ponytail. We should be yes. wearing our ponytails. <laughs> uh, or braids. They have yeah, um, yeah long braids. There's a cultural significance to that. Apparently. Yeah.
0: Well, but. yeah, it's for uh, if you've. Uh, You
2: You know. Yes, yes. Well, I've read
0: all of them. Um, You have a braid until like... You grow your hair out until I think you lose a battle, yes. and then you have to cut it.
1: Yeah. So or sometimes you're, yeah, they cut it off. Right. They take the braids, of their enemy.
0: Yes, yes. Yes. That's right. So basically, you, you, the longer your hair, the more you know successful in battle you've been.
1: Yes, exactly. I was gonna try to find. Oh, the here we go. I just found a phrase that says the strong warriors' braids were long. This oh. This is a phrase. So it's jahaki, jahaki La jacoa Haji ne'akish.
0: Ne'akish. What's the last
2: word?
1: Ne'akish.
0: Ne'akish. I
1: think that that's the verb. It's, the, it's an adjectival verb. This is really dull stuff. Let's go back to colors. <laughs> <laughs> colors,
0: colors. Colors. They're pretty <laughs> and easy.
1: So yellow is veltor.
0: Veltor.
1: And I can't roll my R's. So if you can roll your R's, you can do, do it you roll, better. Do so you yes. roll the last R, veltor? Yes, but I can't do that. Veltor. Very good. Okay. Uh, and green is dahaan.
0: Dahan. Yeah. Wait, so the two, do you do you pronounce both a's. Yes. Dahan.
1: You're so good at this.
0: You're gonna become. <laughs> you should. You should Dahan, skip Portuguese Dahan. and
1: force. Yeah, your this would be so, so, so much more practical. <laughs> <laughs> it would. Um, blue is thelis.
0: Uh, thelis.
1: Purple is reavin.
0: Reavin.
1: And there's probably a rolled R there too, but I can't
0: re, do re, probably. So yeah, like a soft roll, yeah, like re, yeah. re just like there's, one. Yeah, re, yeah.
1: this is my biggest speech impediment: is really? not being able to roll my R's. Mm. Yeah, so many languages have it. So yeah, pink, which I don't. I guess yeah, flesh is kind of pink. Yeah, so that yeah, it doesn't like, seem like a <laughs> color like <that laughs> the Drocky really. would
0: be into. Like <laughs> exactly, Seaven. Uh, wait, what is it? Seaven. Seaven.
1: Seaven. Yeah, so it's like purple is Raven and pink is. They have men. They have uh, in.
0: They're related. Okay.
1: Uh, black is uh, Kazga. Kazga. White. This is so. This has the letter I can't pronounce very well. It's got this guttural k kh- sound, kh. so it's Zaska.
0: I can't. Zaskha.
1: Uh, it's not a kh, uh, it's, it's a, a k. Like put your zaskha. tongue way the back. Yeah. Zaskha. This is going to sound so awful. Zaska. It's almost like you're swallowing it. Yeah. Zaska. Zaska. Yeah. Zaska. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope we never have to talk about anything white. This is like, okay,
0: so this reminds me now of uh, trying to teach uh, my mother-in-law English words. Right. And so you quickly realize like what are seemingly really simple English words that are the first words you learn as a kid, but you've been saying them all your life, but now you're like, these are the ones you learn to spell and you, you know, so one of the hardest words I think for probably a lot of people to learn in English is girl
1: oh yeah yeah because it's a really it's that the rl is totally swallowed she
0: was like struggling with that so much so like and even just like i think the order of the letters was like one of those things where like just doesn't make sense yeah it's like when we see a word that starts with like pt right and we're like what yeah yeah even though we can say like helicopter
2: yes like we can say when it's in the middle of the word but when you put it at
0: the front it's like oh what and it's like that kind of thing so she just could not like g-i-r-l just made no sense yeah. to her so she would like reorder it yeah in her head and she would say grill grill <laughs> grill and then yeah. we'd be like no 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 girl and then yeah. she would go she would start kind of making fun of us we were like girl yeah. you know like making all the, like <laughs> swallow- that like basically that swallowing sound like yeah. uh, blah, blah, blah. my
1: husband's british and so like he would say gr- gr- i can't do it i can't do a british accent <laughs> but he would Kay. say like girl Girl. So it might be easier for her to just do the jo- British pronunciation.
0: Oh, Johnny has such. Now I'm like talking about your yeah. husband. This is like a, this is like spouse talk. Welcome to spouse, <laughs> spouse talk with <talk. laughs> Anne and Russell. What are we talking about? Um, but yeah, Johnny has such like. I was watching. I don't know if I ever told him this, but I love. Um, I was watching the Seven Up series of documentaries. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's and the there's kid from the, Liverpool. the kid, kid from Liverpool yeah. and his like cadence is just like Johnny's so yeah. like <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love how whenever people try to imitate my husband they basically do Ringo Starr
0: <laughs> I mean <laughs>
1: which is like, similar it's, but it's yeah, yeah I
0: mean don't. there is that thing like where they are the most famous right. Liverpudlians so you just yeah. kind of go to that I exactly. guess like it's but there's that it is that like sing-songy cadence yeah. and like goes up and down it's like yeah, a...
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> so sorry now my imitation is just like making sounds like... <laughs> like not even saying words <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's basically what he sounds he's like the charlie brown teacher
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah he doesn't say anything for real he just goes yeah like... exactly <laughs> yeah.
1: No, but so you speak Dothraki now.
0: I speak at least... Do you remember any of it? None. No. other. Wait, no. I'll test you. No, I don't remember any of them. Uh, okay. I, but that wasn't enough. I said them once. You yeah, th-
1: exactly. Exactly. You, you have, have to have repeat to, it over and over and over. You
0: have to repeat it and...
1: The only problem with Dothraki is you can't really get practical experience. You can't you can't travel to.
0: (laughs) Vice Dothrak is that a place? I can't even remember if that's a. That's the capital
1: city. Okay, all right.
0: See, I'm like, is that a that's a thing, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. To cross. Travel there in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Practice with yourself. No, but it's, I mean, it's been, yeah, I, it's so weird because I don't differentiate now. Like when I've conjugated Dothraki, Dothraki verb, mm-hmm. it's like, it's the same as conjugating a French verb. It's There's absolutely no difference in my head. So,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> they're, all, they're all useful to their different degree. But, hmm. yeah.
0: So I wonder if, I mean, does, has this course been used for, actors at all or i mean it, it, it came after the fact so they have
1: a script so they're not i yeah i don't think i, I don't know for a fact but i don't think they're actually learning the language they just, <laughs> I think they they just, just have it. to
0: yeah just get those just lines line. out and, and i good. think that's
1: the case if if you're doing like i don't i don't even know but i'm sure they're like wasn't there a there was some sort of movie where someone had to speak sp- oh will ferrell like there was some movie where he's sp- yeah they did, they in did in a spanish. movie the whole movie
0: was in spanish yeah, yeah. so he
1: basically i mean i don't I doubt he spent a lot of time to learn Spanish fluently before he did that. He probably just had a script and learned yeah. his lines the same way you would learn your lines in English and learned what. So I think they have what they mean. They have the pronunciation, and then the actors just learn them. Yeah, from they don't that. have to
0: learn much right. about the grammar of it or right. anything. Right, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, but I know a lot of people who are actually actively studying Dothraki. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Nice.
0: Yeah. Well, we can go look at some art now.
1: Awesome. <laughs> I, am, this is the, I am so excited about this part. As soon as you said we get to go look at art in a You're museum like, ah. after hours, it was like, this is like, um, what is it? The mixed up files of
0: Mrs. Uh, Basil Frank, Frank Weiler. <laughs> was
1: that the museum one? Were yes. they, they went they to, go to the, the Met. natural. Oh, the Met. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Natural- This is really cool. Okay. I'm already really excited to talk about this because I'm already seeing patterns and I would anyway. Well, I we're,
0: we're recording. We're now, recording. So yeah, awesome. so you can
1: Do you want to so, say what we're looking yeah, at? Yeah, we
0: are looking at <laughs> slab with standard inscription of asser 2.
1: I, that would be my guess. The second guess too.
0: I'm guessing. Yeah, Asser-Nasserpal.
1: As-r-nas-r-pal.
0: pal. I don't know. I'm,
1: I'm pronouncing everything like Dothraki now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like this feels kind of like Dothraki when I well, think of it. Well, it's
1: from Iraq, which in fact the name Iraq has that guttural <laughs> Yeah, Iraq. So that's um Iraq. Yeah.
0: So that's so you say Iraq like the same way where you swallow? Don't
1: know. I I did not study Arabic. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. So talking about
1: admitting things we don't know. I did not study Arabic. So but I think I think it's a guttural Q sound. It's not Iraq. It's so. It's okay, oral.
0: so basically we are looking at a, it's it's a piece of stone, but it is all text, and the text is cuneiform, and this is, as far as I know, like one of the first forms of writing, right? right? Like, yeah. this is like... It,
1: they call it proto-writing, I think, so yeah. it's like, it's, you know, it's sort of when they, you know, same, I think hieroglyphics, mm-hmm. hieroglyphs are the same, and it's, um... Yeah, I don't know a lot about proto-writing, but I think the development of writing systems is such a different conversation to the development of languages.
0: Why? Um, what, what makes them different?
1: Well, the, people speak people can speak languages for years and years and years before ever needing to write anything down. So the writing system then becomes, how do you translate the words I'm saying into a, a physical thing? Mm. That's To me, that's just insane. And and there's so many different ways of doing it. Like this one, I think it reminds me of Korean. Actually, it doesn't look necessarily like Korean, but it's, it says it's syllabic and Korean, Korean actually is my favorite writing system. It's called Hangul and they take, they have an alphabet, but then they put the alphabets together in syllables and the alphabet, the letters also represent the shape of the mouth, the, the, the lips, tongue, and teeth. So like the, um, the and now, now I can't remember a good word like the word the letter that's a like the k in Korea sounds it looks like your tongue at the roof of your mouth.
2: Oh, so wow. who, yeah,
1: and so I want so it's curious. What's curious to me is what how did this how did they d- decide that this etching would represent this sound? And it sounds like they put together they would put together two sounds into mm-hmm. a syllable, whereas other writing systems. Like Chinese Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the sound. It has to do with the word itself. So Chinese, when you're reading Chinese, each symbol, each is an ideogram. And they have, um, I believe, and I I, I haven't studied Chinese either myself, but um, basically um, a Chinese character represents an idea, not a sound. And this, I think it's saying it represents a syllable. So it's it's the sound. So yeah, when you write, do you want... To represent the sound or the idea, hmm. and how do people interpret the writing?
0: I didn't realize Korean was so different than Chinese, like yeah. in that way. That's well, like, it's completely that, different. That's yeah. so interesting.
1: And it was because
0: um, isn't isn't Japanese more like Chinese? Like so, it's,
1: Japanese is interesting because they have three out, they have three writing systems. Right. So they combine to write in Japanese. So you have uh, hiragana which is an alphabet. Mm. Katakana, which is also an alphabet, but it's used mostly to write foreign words. Yeah. And then you have kanji, which are the Chinese symbols that right. they use. And those are like, Japanese. that's like the
0: hardest one to learn, right? right? Because it's like each symbol exactly. corresponds to an idea. Exactly. So, yeah. so
1: it's it's borrowed from Chinese, So but they use it in combination, so in mm. conjunction. So they'll use a kanji. Basically, they use it usually for... Um, things and verbs and sort of ideas Mm -hmm. and then for the grammar they'll use hiragana and then for like if they're talking about baseball they'll use katakana
2: so
1: japanese is actually complex but when uh when students are learning it they tend to start with just the most simple and you can you can still write anything in hiragana and japanese Mm -hmm. will be able to read it right
0: when Um, we we had a show of chinese arts um a few years ago called realm of the immortals mm. we had the title in chinese and i was Uh, our curator, was telling us that the character for Immortal is basically like a combination of man and mountain. Yes.
2: Which is such a cool
0: idea like there's such a poetry to the idea of these the way these ideas combine.
1: Chinese has um, radicals so and you'll see them repeat in the, in the pictograms, basically the, the, the letters. So basically you'll see the, the radical for water mm-hmm. will appear in a lot of things that have to do with water. So um, I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that, yeah, they all have elements of okay. different words built together into this one image that's yeah. a word. It's really fascinating. Yeah. But this, this is interesting. And I love like trying to find the patterns. because So if you were trying to decipher this you'd sort of look for the patterns, like, I mean, it's code breaking. Basically, if you came across this and had no idea what it said, which I'm sure when people first found it, they yeah. they had no idea, you'd sort of look for the, so there are those three dashed lines, and you'd start to find them, and you'd have to sort of, ama- I don't even know how they would do this. It's amazing, <laughs> like, because you would have no key to, I mean, is there, was there a key that they used? <laughs> like a, yeah. It's, I don't know, it's just amazing. I don't know be-
0: much about, like, how they trans... It's like everyone knows the story of, like, the Rosetta Stone right. for Hieroglyphics, but I don't which know... Which is a-
1: our competitor, but we won't mention
0: oh, oh, oh. My company's so It's okay. <laughs> I, was, know. I was speaking of the ancient stone, not the, the company. The ancient stone, exactly, yeah, yeah, which is right. wonderful. Um, <laughs> but, uh...
1: Yeah, no... It, I don't
0: know about uh, cuneiform. Like, right. how would you figure this out?
1: Yeah, I wish... I'm going to have to go read up more on cuneiform. And I would love to, like, actually learn how to read it and come back here and just read this
0: you think you could do you could like, oh yeah that's it's be,
1: well I mean you could I wouldn't be able to you you'd, I'd have to learn what the you know syllables meant and everything uh-huh. but that's I mean that's part of what it once you figured out what everything said you could come I mean I when I was um in high school I taught myself the Cyrillic alphabet okay. and I used to write my name in Cyrillic and you just like once you learn the alphabet it's it's pretty easy to sort of figure out what it's saying and then you go back and translate and I mean, I shouldn't say it's easy to learn cuneiform, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't look that complex. It's repetitive, and yeah. um, I love it. It's really cool.
0: What's interesting is it's based on wedge shapes and clay, yes. but this one is stone. So they're like already like mimicking. It's like kind of cool because it's like a. I feel like it's a step removed from the initial process of like writing in clay. Writing
1: in clay, yeah, it's temporary. I mean, and it says something about how this was in a palace yeah room c of the palace complex
0: yeah so the the, i think this panel of text and then this uh relief sculpture here were both from the same palace
1: oh cool so yeah it's like what what did they want to be so permanent to put into stone when it was based on clay writing yeah clay writing so
0: well i think it was it wasn't i and i'm just reading labels (laughs) that i think it was uh sort of listing like accomplishments of the king basically. That's right. It said
1: something about like listing listing the people who were involved and then what Ye- they did. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. It's, it's
0: just kind of like practical information, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um
1: and so but yeah, it's interesting. Then you come over here and now you're because we're used to looking at script, I'm like looking for patterns. But it's I mean it's the same type of thing. We're seeing patterns, but they're they just don't they're not words.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, cool. I love these reliefs, these old I mean they're so ancient we're talking 8, 870 BC and yeah. it's so crazy yeah. like you know oh close to 3,000 years ago and it's so to me like I look at this and I'm like oh it's so modern feeling like right. just because yeah. of the way it's so abstracted yeah um, it looks
1: I mean it looks almost art deco
0: yeah well, all this, like, very ornate, intricate detail that's I love, kind of. Yeah,
1: like the sort of snail shell spiral of his beard. Yeah. And, his, and the ends of his hair.
0: Yeah, the wavy hair there. Yeah. Definitely. That's so cool. And yeah, all these feathers, and it's. Yeah, it's just so stylized. Yeah. Um, it, there's, like, I guess, a popular idea, I think, if you talk to most people about what they assume the sort of, like, trajectory of art is, mm-hmm. that, like, sort of. Um, modernism and abstraction is something that comes later but right. it's really something that we kind of go in and out of right and even into to varying degrees yeah. you know different cultures can kind of go back and forth and especially you know western art where you you have moments like going from um, you know the classical art of Greece and, and Rome and then um, when you move into you know medieval art and you sort of it, it gets actually more abstract yeah. like when there's sort of a it's almost more spiritual or connected to ideas more it gets more abstracted and less like physical about people yeah. um yeah so it's interesting to see how that um can be very symbolic or yeah. in these ways I
1: think. yeah yeah it's like why yeah why did they abstract certain things and then make other things very like his nose looks like a nose
0: yeah, right, yeah, like, these are, like, certain things, and, and that's also, it's it's interesting to think about how people draw sometimes, like, mm-hmm. a, they write, in, yes. in a way, like, um, you know, if I asked uh, a kid or an adult who doesn't have drawing training yeah. to draw a face, yes. what they would do is they would draw the various symbols they have for these parts of a exactly, face and put yeah. them in the right order to resemble a face. Yeah. Whereas um, they're not like necessarily looking at a person and, and trying to capture a likeness, but they're saying, well, this is a symbol for an eyeball. Right. This is a symbol for a nose. This is a symbol for an eye, another eye. This is a mouth. And um, kids, especially as they develop, they draw, you know, very symbolically. And like, mm-hmm. this is... You know, a person and it's just a, a sphere basically, yeah, and yeah. then they like start growing legs and arms off that sphere. And it, it but it's it's very interesting, it develops like a language. It does.
1: Well, and, and drawing something and making a piece of art is trying to convey an idea, right? Yeah. So, it, which is what language does. So, it's, it's, art is a language, in, in my opinion. Yeah. It's a way of communicating an idea to someone else, you know, either, you know, putting a permanent trying to put something permanent um around an abstract thought and so it's yeah what what do you leave what do you leave like really literal and what do you make more abstract like what's the important part to leave literal Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's really a different way of communicating
0: well and it, it makes me think too of the the way like sometimes we think of pictures as like cross cultural but they're not always you know there are certain images that translate to ideas in one culture that doesn't translate into others.
1: Well, and when you learn a language, you have to learn the culture. Because if you're not learning the culture, you're not fully understanding the application of the language. So it's the same thing. You can't understand a piece of art entirely without understanding the culture behind it.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, um, when you, if you ever pick up, like, a Japanese comic, and you're not used to it, you're just like, wait, what? Because they use right. different, um, especially comics, you know, if you think about all of the sort of shortcuts we use to show emotions and things, and they use yes. little symbols. Um, so <laughs> when they're showing somebody is sleeping, yes. they have like a snot bubble coming out of their nose.
1: Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. So like it's like the Zs? Exactly.
0: Instead of so wow. the Zs, they'll show a snot bubble yeah. coming out of the nose for sleeping. Uh, I wonder what that
1: comes from. I'm going to have to ask my Japanese friend where that comes from because that's really fascinating.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's I'm like sorry,
1: I'm whispering. Like this is the nature of being in a museum.
0: But After nobody's was, here. Okay, so
1: I can talk loudly. Yeah,
0: it would be better actually. <laughs> sorry. Because I'm like probably gonna have to turn you up like on everything. I'm just gonna be like, oh, okay, I'll talk. I'll talk louder.
1: Up. Anyway, yeah. yeah.
0: No, I was like that's but why yeah, the, I'm holding the mic like there know, next to you. I know. I know. Now so. I'll
1: talk louder. So yeah, the, the Z's are in Japan. That's really fascinating. Yeah. So it's just yeah, a I different. I don't know. I can't remember if they
0: have anything else like i don't know if they do also do a sound kind of thing like a z i can't remember but i've definitely seen the the snot bubble and um there's some other ones like uh just the way they draw like i feel like sweat and stuff too like is yeah. a little more um there's like an iconography to the way right. sweat is drawn to show, like, stress.
1: Right, 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 right. I
0: mean, not necessarily meant to be real, actual sweat. Right. But, like, this is stress sweat. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm showing a person is nervous yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's
1: that, tra- I love that. It's like translating a cultural idea into a written or visual um, piece is, yeah, that's just, like, a fascinating way of looking at art and language
0: yeah yeah we can, we can walk around and see if yes. there's anything else in here we yeah, want to talk about we've got really, a
1: I've not been in this room I don't think
0: <laughs> well it's been here for a, a while museum. so I know, maybe I've been here it, it actually it's funny because it's uh, we're literally right off the front main entrance, but it is kind of one of the least visited parts of the museum because when you come in, you go straight. You go straight. Right back. So this
1: is just off to the side, off yeah. of the front. Oh, yeah, if you oh, went no.
0: right instead of going straight, you would be in this room. Oh, cool. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> so everybody, go right. This is the cool room. Yeah, it's got some so old stuff.
0: It, yeah, it's, it's a place where people probably don't visit as much. So we're looking at some old Persian art actually yeah. now. We're over, just on the other side of the doorway. And again, I love that it. it has that same really stylized... Um... So
1: yeah, yeah. there's like, I mean, you look at sort of what they're holding and you wonder what the significance is of the objects they're holding. That I'm sure when someone saw this on the wall of a palace, they knew exactly what that meant. Yeah. You know, they knew it meant, like, maybe she's... Is this an anteater she's holding?
0: <laughs> no, it's a wineskin.
1: <laughs> oh, a wineskin, okay.
0: <laughs> Which is crazy, because that's so much wine, right? That's a lot of wine. I know. I was just like... I saw that earlier, and I was like, <laughs> wineskin? That is, like, a ton of wine. That is... They, they must have had fun in Persia. I know. I mean, you kind of imagine it's like it immediately makes you think, well, this is obviously somewhere royal.
1: Right, yeah, exactly.
0: The only people who would probably have access to this much wine, like, you have to be important.
1: So this, I mean, like, you could think maybe this was the same way, like, when you go to a store and you see a bottle of wine on it, you know to get wine there. I mean, I don't know that that's what this (laughs) was, but that's what, I mean, people would know that that's not an anteater. They would know that it's a wineskin. Right. And they would have an instant reaction to, they would just know what that person is doing. So it's this it's it's all, this is all as much a symbol as the cuneiform only that's showing much more detail and specificity right. than this is so yeah. cuz you can interpret maybe she's taking the wine to someone maybe she's stealing the wine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't know there I could love, be interpretations i love this this one yeah. so much because of the lines um
1: yeah in her in her costume is it a her is it a she i assume it's a she but you it know, could be see, a i he. think
0: i think of it as a he but mm-hmm. i actually don't know why I think that either. Um,
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I mean,
0: there's not a lot of.
1: It's probably a he.
0: There isn't a lot of signs either way. A
1: heavy bag of wine.
0: <laughs> right. Probably, if you uh, were from this culture, you you know, in, in uh, 480 BC, it would be obvious to you exactly. because like uh, the, you dress know, would the dress, be, dress yeah. would mean one thing or the other. But yeah. The
1: lines, the way the lines are, it's it's a really beautiful depiction of the way it, the fabric is hanging. In this really hard piece of stone
0: that's what yeah that's what I think I'm th- thinking about is lines are such a i don't know they feel like such a two d uh, right. thing so it's it's like that uh, this kind of line work I expect on uh, you know in ink on paper yeah. almost um so to see it in to be both th- it's it's st- Straddling this weird line between 3 d two d right um, that you can kind of see it both at the same time, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is just kind of cool, whereas e- even the pieces next to it, where, while they're very graphic in that same you know, simplified forms, mm-hmm. they don't have so much like reliance on line in quite right. the way, same way um, yeah. as this one does
1: yeah yeah, it's really cool the way the even like the fabric of his or her hat and headdresses
0: yeah. Well, and I think they leave, even like, say, that wineskin, like, they don't give it a lot of sense of volume. So they leave it so flat that you just think of it as a shape, as like a flat shape. Um, It's really cool. Yeah. I don't know if there's. It's
1: so funny to think that this is something that someone would have passed every day of their life, maybe even. And would they have stood here and talked about it the way we are?
0: Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. Like, it's it's hard to know. And like I said,
1: yeah, they probably just had an idea of what it was and what it was. I just
0: always, like, I when I look at things, I know this is, like, so basic, but when I look at stuff like this in, in the last piece, and I think, like, you know, that one was, you know, 480 B.C., the other was, like, what was it, 800 B.C. or something?
2: Yes, yeah. It's so
0: funny, because if you think about that, too, like talking about a difference of like almost 400 years like you in my mind i'm like oh these are around the same time period right but (laughs) But if you're like
1: like renaissance right if you were
0: just like oh it happened 400 years ago you would not just be like oh it's roughly the same (laughs) time period so it's so funny to like when you once once you're past a certain point you start to be like oh it's all the same but you're like no those are like 400 years of difference that's crazy yeah it's like um our cycladic figure that we have that's it's in the ancient wing but I can't remember it's like it's I can't it's like maybe like 2000 something BC so you're like okay imagine the birth of Christ right now we are cl- we are actually like closer to the this event in time yeah. than this sculpture was yeah, like exactly you just yeah. think like oh it was a long time ago and it's I like know. no no like think
1: about how long yeah
0: it's like so nuts so I also just like think oh my gosh like up a human being made this this long ago. I know. And it's still around. Like, that's so crazy to me. I, know. When I, I can't get over that very basic part of ancient art is, like, it's here. Well, like, it makes
1: me think, like, will, the, will like, the, the pottery teapot I made for my dad in third grade I mean, be that's discovered by someone? Pottery. <laughs> I mean, these are
0: stones, so it kind of makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, ancient pottery is crazy like that. Right. And we have some in this room with us. But, like, the fact that it survives is so amazing because it's so fragile. I know. Like, it's, like something that feels designed to break
1: (laughs) and then also what will people like maybe that was some just some piece of pottery that someone made for their dad in school (laughs) and like we're interpreting this entire culture around that one sliver of remnants yeah
0: sure like you you never with these kind of things you always have an incomplete picture so yeah you do worry like what what artifacts are we leaving behind that we will be judged for exactly
1: (laughs) be careful what you make (laughs) it could be in a museum in 2400 years from now is that what is that how long ago that is yeah 2,500 years.
0: I'll let you do the math. I, I went to art school.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, language people aren't so good at math. Math either? <laughs> no. We deal with words, yeah. <laughs> not numbers. Who is good at math?
0: Mathematicians? Science people. <laughs>
2: Science people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that okay, so so, fat horse.
0: I love, okay, we can talk about this. So we can totally talk, we can totally talk about this fat horse. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> and a
1: skinny cow. Yeah. It's t- opposite. Exactly. I love,
0: like, I, it took me a while to realize, like, I feel like somebody had a very good time putting these two together because yeah. it is so funny that there is Skinny Cow and Fat Horse. Like, you would not expect, like, these two need, talking about comics, like, these two yes. need, like, a cartoon show, right? The adventure right?
1: of Fat Horse and Skinny, Skinny Cow. Cow.
0: <laughs> also, this totally, like, horse, every time I see it, I start cracking up because I think of the uh, Bugs Bunny What's Opera doc when he's like Brunhilde coming down on that really fat oh, horse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, And, and like, can like barely walk. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this makes me think of that, that fat horse with like pink, ha- I feel like it's like a white horse with like pink mane. Yeah, yeah. Or It's so There's ridiculous no way this looking. horse
1: is gonna get you very far over any kind of hill.
2: <laughs> and that but,
1: cow is not gonna give you a good hamburger. Oh, sorry, that's so mean. Oh. <laughs> I should maybe say milk like something like that. I don't know. Sorry, vegans.
0: I think it's. I don't think it's. I think Rode it's a. a I think it's a boy cow.
1: It's a calf, so it's a young. I mean, I don't know. I'm just
0: looking under there, and oh, I yeah, think it's
1: a boy cow. You're right, it's <laughs> definitely a boy cow. Is this a? We can't tell the horse. Yeah,
0: the horse is. We're a, trying to gender undecided. too much. I don't know, I know why I'm gendering
1: all these objects. There, well, they could be anything.
0: It is kind of funny though. Like, there's also like a kind of a practical reason of like. You like you don't generally make little skinny things out of clay. Right. Because they don't lap like they break. Right, right, they right. break. Like when so they it's dry. A practical, it force. it kind of is a pra- <laughs> I mean it is kind of practical because like it just it, clay lends itself to sort of chunkier forms and yeah. sort of the way when you're making something and it has to dry. Yeah. Um I mean for this it looks like it probably they would have let it dry standing like this. Right. I was gonna say you can sometimes turn it upside down, but
1: um, well, and also it's supposed to hold something. So right. if you want it to hold more than a horse's body. Would right, go, right, yeah.
0: You need you the need volume. The volume.
1: Because, I mean, the shape itself looks like, you know, almost bell-shaped with a convex end. So it's like, yeah, you want it. That's like what a vessel would look like. And then they said, let's put a horse's head on it. Yeah, sure. would be cute.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and with bronze, know you know, it's like... You can make those skinny, long forms, and it doesn't. So
1: it's the material. Yeah, Yeah. it's like
0: it's. It it, you can do that, and I guess also, I mean, bronze is more expensive than clay too, so you maybe don't want to use as much of it. I don't know. I mean, wait,
1: sorry, I'm just. I'm just reading. This is circa twenty two thousand four hundred BCE. Yes. So this is super old
0: yes yeah that's that's about as old as the piece we were just talking about where i was saying this is like this is a piece that yeah we are closer right now to the birth of christ in time than this this is to
1: the birth of christ yes
0: this is farther and yeah
1: and this to me it's so weird it looks almost like mid 20th century doesn't it look mid 20th century to you i could see this like being i don't know it looks newer to me than the than the fat horse
0: yeah i'm fascinated
1: by this piece i think that's really cool
0: Again, kind of just keep saying everything's sort of so stylized. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I love
1: this. I would put that in my house. <laughs> I won't take it from <laughs> you. Okay, that's though. good.
0: <laughs> it's so. I, I, I've never really noticed how crazy long its tail is. Yeah, well, and it's got all it's about? almost like
1: a wrought iron spiral. Yeah. I, I love that. I'm glad we talked about the fat. Course
0: and skinny cow <laughs> so now we've we've walked across to the opposite side of the room and we're now looking at Shirin receives the portrait of kusaru kusaru I would
2: say
1: K- Kusrau.
0: Kusrau. yeah I was actually I, I was, was, Kusrau.
1: I was, I was sure. my
0: brain was reordering those letters to make yeah. sense of them for me
1: well and this is a I mean th- this is a good example of like when we render things in English from another language, we can kind of, there, there are standards for transliterations, but so this is whoever decided that that's how it would sound in English. So mm-hmm. it's really hard to convey in English what another language sounds right. like. So I would pronounce that husral, but I don't know.
2: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that would be your educated because, guess.
1: The reason is because below it says khamsa, which I know is khamsa. Yeah. So I would say khusra, but I
0: don't yep. know. I'll trust you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Farsi. Probably because it's from Iran. Iran.
0: Yeah,
1: I do not read this language. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty though. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can look at a language you don't know, and it and it and it might as well be art. It might as well be a brush stroke. Yeah. You know, so it's it's you know, it's it's almost more beautiful when you don't understand it. You know. Awesome. Well,
0: yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't have any of. It's not tied down to the meaning. Right. Of exactly. It. Yeah, yeah, you can just appreciate well, yeah, I it. Say, in
1: the- it's not that it's more beautiful. It just has it. You can interpret and intuit different things from it mm-hmm. without knowing the actual meaning of the word. Yeah, it's So not, like this could be, let's see, it's a, well, I don't know how to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like this could be Peter the Rabbit or something. And right. Yeah, you don't know. This is also, our pours molten lead down the throat of Haftvod's worm.
0: Whoa. <laughs> I really wow, wish I could read this me now. me too. I've never seen that title. So
1: here's what we have to do. We have to learn Farsi so we can come back and read this page.
0: We we do have a docent who speaks Farsi.
1: You do? Yes. That's amazing. Yep. So I should come and find your docent who we'll speaks find, Farsi. Yeah,
0: we'll call Zora up and get her to Perfect, come. Perfect.
1: Because that sounds like a really cool story. This translate. Is like, <laughs> this is like the early pages of Dune or something. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Herbert was actually I just translating from... I'm, like, I,
0: I'm trying to remember if this is, like, the first time Dune has come up on this <laughs> podcast. And I think it is, but I feel like I talk about Dune pretty often, well, like, there's
1: a first, in my first regular time. life. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I'm so glad. Um,
1: yeah, I want to know all about Haftwad's Worm
0: lead down the throat
1: of... oh this is cool and speaking I'm of like come back
0: stuff that's yeah. also like molten like
1: molten lead that's molten lead not... like just like oh, the that's a torture
0: the molten crown of yeah.
1: uh or maybe they were doing that to preserve it somehow i don't know i don't even know what hot, hot, hot worm, worm is that's really cool this is really dark we need more on this this little label.
0: yeah. We we yeah. need we definitely need more information <laughs> right. on hoft hoftvadsworm. That's a really hard one to say. Hoftvadsworm. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. Special exhibitions on view right now are The Poetry of Place, William Clift, Linda Connor, and Michael Kenna, The Book of Only Enoch and the Jackleg Testament, Part 1, Jack and Eve, and Employed, a staff art exhibition. And opening on February 11th are Dress to Kill, Japanese Arms and Armor, and Transcending Reality, The Woodcuts of Kosaka Gajin. Don't miss Art After Dark, Queen City Royals on January 27th from 5 to 9 p.m. You can enjoy music from Wilder, make your own crown before you strike a pose at the Shakespeare selfie stand from Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, and eat and drink like a king with wines and cheese for purchase from Corkopolis. For program reservations and more information, visit cincinnatiartmuseum.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even Snapchat. Our theme song is Offrande Musicale by Bacalao. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like user BS Jones, who says, Russell is a natural. Really appreciate his energy, smarts, and humor. Aww. I swear that is not my mother. I'm Russell Irig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum.